Hey everyone, uh, Steve here from my home, my home office to yours. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Grace Church Medina East Campus, during our online weekend experience. And happy Easter to you and to your family. Many of you have embraced our social platforms as we're showing this on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo, and things like that. And uh, thank you. Thanks for embracing that. And please, please continue to invite others into these social platforms, into this weekend experience, this online weekend experience. And if you are here for the first time, you're maybe you were invited and you're tuning in for the first time, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We count that as an honor and a privilege, um, especially we know that there's a plethora of content that is probably fighting for your attention during these times. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. And real quick, uh, before you consider tuning out of these announcements, maybe your kids are with you, or this could be for you too, for anyone, um, but I have a challenge for you. Maybe you've seen this already, and uh, this is some fun Easter festivities here, but there are eggs behind me that I've placed in my office, and so if you can count and see how many you can count in the background, let us know. I'd be curious to see how many you count. So there's just some fun Easter festivities, even during announcements for you and for your family. Well, anyway... This week, Pastor Tony is going to be teaching about the resurrection and the difference it makes in each of our lives. Uh, we're also really thankful that we can still bring to you and to us as a church uh, music and worship. So please stick around after the conversation for worship with us together. And before we get into the message, I want to continue pointing you to our website, medinaeast.gracechurches.com. Org. And this is going to be where you can get important updates. We're updating this website and this webpage even more often so that you can keep up to date with all the Power Kids, uh, student ministries, and other ministry area offerings that we have uh, virtually in this time. And you will also find access to online giving. And giving is just another act of worship for those that are followers of Jesus and call Medina East Church their home church. And so you, um, we've also had a questions on, can you still mail those um, offerings? Yes, of course you can. You can mail those to our address. You can find that on the website. Some of you have been doing that already. And so um, with Easter, we've typically taken Easter time to have a, a special offering outside of normal offering. And so we want to do that again, even still during this Easter. So if you can give a special offering, please continue to do so through our five and change efforts. If you haven't heard of Five and Change before, Five and Change is how we kind of mobilize our church to say, hey, can you give $5 or some change to make a change in our community and in our world? So if you want to give a special offering during this time, please specify by giving straight to Five and Change on our website or through our app. That Five and Change um, initiative is going straight to something we call Love Medina. And that is providing basic and immediate needs for families and individuals. So we're providing groceries, meals, and things like that for students and, and elderly and those that might be sick. So please join in on that special offering during this Easter time with us. Lastly, I want to share a little bit more about Love Medina. If, first of all, if you or someone you know has any one of those immediate needs that, we've, that I've just mentioned, um, please fill out the Love Medina application, which you can find on the Love Medina banner on our front page, on our homepage. And then for many of you, um, you're able to uh, serve. If you're able to serve, please 
find that section on our web on our webpage that tells you how you can go about serving. And many of you have already. You can fill out the Medina Love Medina um, volunteer form, and we can get you in this group that we have that are ready to go to volunteer to serve some of these needs that we are already receiving. There's other things that you can check out too with drop-offs. We are doing drop-offs now for Oasis of Hope and Hospital Medina Hospital Encouragement. You can find all those drop-off times and items that we can use on that website again. Well, although we are not meeting in person, that does not mean that church is canceled. We're doing it now. Here we are together in, in a sense. The church is not a building, um, but rather it's people like you, followers of Jesus like you in this time. And in this time, we want to come together to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community and to our world and still have times of worship and teaching together. Well, we hope you enjoy the weekend experience. And as always, we love you guys and we miss seeing you in real life in person. But hey, here we are and we're going to make the best of it. Happy Easter. Hi, I'm Sarah Beth Clark. I'm the Director of Children's Ministry at Grace Church Medina East Campus. Happy Easter! We celebrate together because of what Jesus did for us. From the cross to the grave, He rose again. Your life and my life He saved. We have hope, joy, and peace because of Jesus. So let's celebrate! We have a unique experience for you called Easter Jam. Not this kind of jam, but this kind of jam. So whether you have younger kids or older kids or no kids, you should check out Easter Jam. Why? Because fun matters, and fun helps relationships go deeper. This experience is complete with games, the Easter story, and music. So before or after today's message from Pastor Tony, get on your feet and check out Easter Jam. You can download it from the Medina East Campus website or from Power Kids on Facebook or Instagram. You can find us at MEC Power Kids. Love you guys. Miss you. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. And uh, I'm actually coming to you from the rooftop of the Medina East Campus building. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, this is a first for me. I have never like literally preached a message from a rooftop before. And my guess is this is a first for you. You probably have never seen anyone uh, literally teach or preach a message from a rooftop. So this is a first for both of us and it's kind of fun. So some of you might be thinking, um, why are you on top of the roof? And, uh, and really there's, there's actually a few different reasons. So, so the first one is just simply this, is uh, well, because I can be. How about that, right? So, uh, you know, with all that's going on right now, think about this. When else could I ever come to you and stand up here and give a message? And so, of course, I'm doing that, wouldn't you, like, if you had an option? So one of the reasons I'm doing it is because I can. Uh, another reason that I'm doing it is because it's beautiful outside. It's absolutely gorgeous out here right now. 
And uh, I'm sure like all of you, I'm getting stir crazy and looking for excuses to be outside and to be creative with that. So I'm doing that as well. I don't know, by the time you're watching this, for all I know, it might be snowing outside because we live in Northeast Ohio. But the day that we're filming this, it's beautiful. There's people riding motorcycles. It's outstanding out here right now. And so, so that's the, one of the other reasons. But then here's the, honestly the most important reason why I'm joining you from the rooftop here today is because if there ever, ever, ever was a message that you wanna proclaim from the rooftops, it is this message right here. It is that Jesus Christ is alive that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, right? And so if there's any message that you wanna shout from the rooftops, both figuratively and literally, it's this message right here, Jesus Christ is alive. And I'm just telling you, if you're a person that follows Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, man, this, this should fire you up because as many of you know, this is at the center of what the Christian faith is all about, that Jesus Christ literally, that Jesus Christ bodily, that Jesus Christ physically and historically rose from the dead. And so that's what we're celebrating here today. Let me just say too, that if you're a person who's new to Grace at the Medina East Campus, if this is maybe your first kind of exposure or connection to our to our church, I wanna say a very special welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'd love to meet you in person. So hopefully when we get a chance to reconvene, uh, we can do that. But I also want to let you know, we actually do an online experience uh, every weekend, uh, kind of during this season. And we'd invite you to connect and be part of that as well. But if you are a person who's newer to the Medina East Campus, it's probably no surprise to you that our church, like many other churches, and uh, kind of our belief, like many of those who follow Jesus, is that Easter is uh, Easter's a really big deal. Right? In fact, for us, we would say that, man, Easter really in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the main attraction. Right? This is the center of what it is that we believe. And we believe that what we're celebrating here today is the biggest difference-making day of all time. Uh, my guess is that all of us can think of difference-making days that we've experienced in our own lifetime, right? Days where, where it made a difference, not just that day, but it made a difference every subsequent day after. I know for myself, I'm sure you can think of days like that, but I know for myself, I can think of a handful of difference-making days uh, that I've experienced in my life. Uh, maybe one of the first ones that comes to my mind is March 24th, 2007. Uh, that for me was a difference-making day. And uh, the reason is because that day I stood across the aisle from a beautiful, wonderful woman named Jessica. And there we made vows to each other and we made a commitment before our friends and before God to uh, enter into marriage together. And so that, of course, that was the day of my wedding. And that was a difference-making day. It didn't just make a difference that day. It made a difference every day thereafter and continues to make a difference today. So because of that one day, because of that one event, it has had uh, far-reaching implications in my life. And so that has affected my legal status, right? So the way that the government kind of looks and views me now has shifted because of that day. Uh, that has changed my relational status. And so my relational status to the world and on social media has shifted because of that day. It has had implications on, I would say, pretty much every nook and cranny of my life has been impacted because that was a difference-making day. And of course, today what we're celebrating is we believe we're ce celebrating the day that makes the biggest difference in all of history. And, uh, and of course, what it is that we're celebrating here today is we're not just celebrating a teaching. Uh, we're not just celebrating like some philosophy or worldview. Uh, what we're celebrating is not a set of religious practices and those type of things. 
Uh, what we are celebrating is an event, something that happened in time and space and history. And of course what that is, is we are celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And of course we believe that this single event in human history makes all the difference and changes everything. In fact, this is exactly what the Bible is going to teach us. And I would love to take you to a passage of the Bible that I think really communicates this really well. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you got a Bible, why don't you go ahead and grab that and open up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Or if you have a Bible app, go ahead and open that up and join me in 1 Corinthians 15. I would love it if you actually had a physical copy of the Bible in front of you and you're able to follow with me. I think that'd be really great. In fact, even if you're a person who hasn't read the Bible in a long time, maybe just hit pause pause right now and go find the Bible, you know, whatever your Bible might be, dust it off if you haven't read it in a long time and get with me to 1 Corinthians 15 because I actually want you to see some of the things that I'm talking about here uh, in this passage. So 1 Corinthians 15, go ahead and find that. And let me just tell you that I think this passage right here that we're about to read is maybe one of the most important and significant passages on the topic of the resurrection. And the reason is because this passage is not simply going to tell us the fact of the resurrection but it's actually gonna to talk to us about the implications of the resurrection. So in other words, it's not just gonna tell us that the resurrection happened, but it's going to tell us the difference that the resurrection makes and kind of thinking through those things together. So 1 Corinthians 15, we're gonna start off right here in verse one. And in verse one, we're gonna see that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, by the way, was a first century early church leader, very influential guy. He's actually writing a letter to a church in a place called Corinth. And here's what he says, starting off in verse one, follow with me in your Bible. He says this, he says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. And he says this, he says, by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. All right, so let's just hit pause there for a moment. You'll notice if you look at verse one and two, uh, that there's a word that's used two times uh, there in those verses. And it's this, this idea of the gospel. And so the Apostle Paul says, I want to remind you what I preached to you, that is the gospel. And he says, and this is the message that saved you. So, so the gospel, uh, just, to, just to be clear, that's referring to basically the core message of Christianity. So what is the core message, the foundation in which the Christian belief is built off of? Well, that's the message of the gospel. And so you might be asking, okay, well, what is that exactly? Well, he's going to go on to define that. So look what he says in verse 3. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of, now this is so crucial. This is where I want to spend some time. Look what he says. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, of first importance. And I just want to pause there. I want to think about that because what he says right here, I think is so crucial. He says, this I want to tell you, which is of first importance. Some of you actually might have different translations there. So if you have your Bible with you and you have like, let's say the New Living Translation, it might say something like this. Paul says, I wanna, I wanna remind you of that which is most important. Or other translations might say this, I wanna tell you that which is first of all. This is a really important term that's used here in the Bible. In fact, if you're the kind of person who highlights or underlines, I'd encourage you to highlight, underline, circle that idea of first importance. Here, here's what it literally means. If you go back into the Greek language, which is the, the language that this letter was originally written in, it literally means first in order. Uh, it means to place something in front of. It is this idea of first in a sequence, or it's, it's the front of a sequence. And so, so you see what Paul's saying here. He says, this is a matter of first importance. This is first in sequence. This comes at the front of the line 
of everything else that I'm going to tell you and I'm going to teach. Now, I want you to think about that with me for a second, okay, because here's the Apostle Paul, and if you're not familiar with who he is, the Apostle Paul is actually credited with having written about 30% of the New Testament of the Bible. So the New Testament of the Bible that you have, about 30% of that was written by this guy, the Apostle Paul. 13 of the 27 books and letters that you find in the New Testament of the Bible are actually credited to the Apostle Paul. So I want you to think about this for a minute. The Apostle Paul writes a lot of things. He teaches a lot of things. The Apostle Paul teaches about marriage. The Apostle Paul teaches about relationships, about forgiveness, about sexuality. He teaches about things like Jesus and the resurrection. He teaches about things like the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he'll talk about these things. And here's what Paul's saying. Paul is basically saying, of everything I've ever written, of everything I've ever talked about, let me give you what's of first importance. Let me give you that which is first in order. In other words, what he's saying is, everything I've ever taught, everything I've ever said about anything at all hinges on this. This is what comes first. So, you know, it's interesting when I was reading this, I, um, I couldn't help but think of uh, Domino's. Couldn't help but think of Domino's. And you know, think about Domino's for a minute. And I, I don't mean the pizza place. I mean the, the little tiles, you know, like when you're a kid. Remember how you'd set those things up and, and you know, if, if, if you were like me, you'd, you'd spend a lot of time getting them just, you know, kind of lined up just right. And then once you got them finally lined up and you spent the time doing that, all you would have to do is just gently tap that first domino, right? The one that was first in order or first in sequence. And as a result of that, the moment you tapped that first domino, that was an action that set off a whole litany of reactions, right? It would kind of be the, the initiation of a sequence of events. And here's, here's what Paul's saying, and I think this is so good. Paul says, you guys, what I'm about to tell you, what I'm about to remind you is like the first domino, okay? This is the, a matter of first importance. This comes first in sequence. Everything else I've ever said and everything else I will say flows from this one thing. This is first domino kind of stuff. So that begs the question, okay, so what is that then, right? What is, what is the first domino as it relates to the Christian faith? What is of first importance? Well, look what he says. Go back to verse three. He says this. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. Okay, first in sequence. And here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then he says that he was buried and he raised on the third day according to scriptures. So did you see what he said? He said, guys, here's what comes first. And he actually says two things. He says, here's what comes first above all things is that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to what the scriptures say and that Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead. And he says, these two twin truths, these two twin truths are the first uh, of priority. Uh, these are the most essential things in which everything else in the Christian life is ultimately gonna flow from. You know, last week, if you happened to join us, uh, we talked about the cross. And uh, this week we're talking about the resurrection. And last week I said this, me and uh, Pastor Seth both, both kind of agreed on this and I still stand by it. Uh, we said that the two most important events in human history is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason that I still stand by that is because that is exactly what Paul is saying in this passage. You know, I, I believe that Paul's statement here, his statement of priority, I think is very clarifying, especially in confused times like the one that we live in now. You know, we live in a confusing time in a lot of different ways, but certainly as it relates to the Bible and religion and how to make sense of God and how to make sense of spirituality. And I think what Paul is saying here is deeply clarifying. 
let me kind of explain it to you this way. So you can probably imagine, right, I'm a pastor, and so that means that I work at a church, and as a result of that, like you can probably imagine, I, I, get, a lot of, I get a lot of people who uh, want to meet with me to ask questions, you know, ask questions about the Bible or to ask questions about the church or about Christianity. And I love doing that. And, um, and I'll just tell you, sometimes I'll get, I'll get people who want to meet with me and they want to talk through maybe objections that they have uh, about the Bible or Christianity. Sometimes they want to meet with, about problems that they have uh, with, you know, kind of faith and belief and they want to process through those things. And so, for example, I actually, it was probably just a couple months ago, maybe a few months ago, I actually had the privilege of meeting with a young guy who was just starting to come to our church. He's a really great guy. I, I absolutely loved his um, honesty and his transparency. But he said, hey, I'd really like to get together with you. He said, I'm new to the church. He said, I'm actually kind of investigating Christianity, so I'm still not sure what I believe about Christianity. He said, but I, I'm really struggling through some decisions I'm trying to make, and I'm wondering if you'd be willing to meet with me and, and maybe help me process through some of my apprehensions. I said, I love that. I'd love to get together with you. So we had a chance to sit down, and, um, and we did. And this is what he said to me. He said, hey, he said, let me tell you where I'm at. He said, I want to start off by telling you that I do believe there's a God. I said, that's great. I said, that's great. He said, yeah, I'm not an atheist. He said, I believe there's a God. And I said, um, just out of curiosity, why do you believe that there's a God? And he said, well, for me, he said, when I come outside, like in a setting like this, and I see uh, everything in nature, he said, for me, it just makes logical sense that there has to be some kind of intelligent mind behind all of this. When I look at the stars and I look at you know, how everything in the, order, the universe is ordered so perfectly for life to thrive here on Earth, he says, I just, I just kind of deduce that there must be some kind of creator behind that. I said to him, I said, that's actually really, really great. I said, that's actually exactly what the Bible teaches. I said, in Romans chapter one, it says the same thing. It says that, that all of creation speaks about the invisible qualities of God and it testifies to those things so that, so that man is without excuse. And so I said, that's actually something in the Bible. He said, that's great. I said, so tell me where you're at then. He said, well, I believe there's a God. He said, but I'm, I'm still reluctant about Jesus and about the Bible. I said, okay. I said, tell me where that's coming from. He said, well, I have a whole bunch. I have a whole bunch of thoughts and a whole bunch of objections and you know, considerations. I said, great, just lay them on me. He said, okay. He said, well, here's the first one. He said, the first one is I've been, I've been listening to, I've been coming to church. He said, I've been listening to some of the things that you guys are teaching about what Jesus said. He said, I gotta be honest with you. He said, it's been really challenging me. He said, some of it I find so compelling. Some of it I find so convicting. Some of it I find so life-giving. He said, but here's my problem. There's other parts of the Bible. He says that, man, I really struggle with. He's like, so for example, I'll read you know, about Jonah and, and this big fish in the Old Testament. And I'm like, Am I, do, I, do I actually have to believe that that really like literally happened? Or he, he said uh, this, he said, I think about Noah, like the story of Noah. He's like, was there really, do, am I supposed to believe that a guy really built a big ship and you know, that there's, you know, put every animal on that ship? He's like, it's just, it just seems really difficult. I said, wow, that's actually a really, really good question and a really good consideration. I was like, I could tell you're thinking through these things. It's actually a pretty common question. I said, are there any other questions that you know, you're thinking through or other issues you're processing? He said, yeah. He said, he said here's, a, here's another issue that I have as I kind of read through the Bible and think about Christianity. He said, I believe that there's a God. He said, but here's the thing. Every religion, most religions believe that there's a God. He said, so how, how do we know that the God of the Bible, how do we know that Jesus, that what you guys teach here is right and like these other religions are, are wrong about who God is? I said, that's a, that's a really great question too, man. I said, well, I can tell you're really thinking about this stuff. I said, is there anything else? 
And he said, yeah. He said, there's some other things. He said, suffering is a big problem for me. I was like, yeah, say no more, man. I, that is an age-old you know, kind of issue is how could, how could a, a loving God allow for suffering on this earth? And that, that's, that's huge. So is there anything else? He said, yeah. He said, I also really struggle with some of what the Bible teaches about, you know, things that seem like they're kind of out of date. So, for example, what the Bible teaches about sexuality. He said, that just seems like it doesn't really jive with kind of the way we define love and the way we define things in our culture today. I said, great. And we kind of talked. I said, I, I, said, I think I've heard enough. We could talk some more. And this is what I said to him. I said, I said hey, man, um, so those questions and those issues that you're talking about, I said, those are important, very important. And I said, and I actually believe, I, with all my heart, I believe there's actually considerations uh, and uh, responses that are very, very, very worth your consideration. I think there's compelling things to think about as it relates to each one of those. I said, but can I, can I just help you for a minute? I said, if you are truly investigating Jesus, I said, let me just help you narrow your search for a minute. Not that those questions are not important. They are, and we could talk about those and we can get into that. I said, but here is the first question. Here's the issue of first priority that you need to ask, and it's this. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? Did Jesus, not metaphorically, but did he historically, literally, bodily raise from the dead? Because I said, listen, depending on how that domino falls, now I didn't say that, but I said, depending on how you answer that question, that is going to have incredible ramifications and life-changing implications, depending on how you answer that. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if the domino falls this way, then all of those questions don't matter, right? I said, but if it falls this way, well, now all of a sudden, uh, these questions are worth really considering and thinking about. And we kind of process through it. I'm just telling you that when I, when I read 1 Corinthians 15, I think that Paul is helping us gain that kind of clarity. And what he's saying is that. He's saying that, listen, if Jesus rose from the dead, if the domino falls this way, he says that is going to have um, far-reaching implications. That is going to set off a whole litany of different kind of ramifications and different implications in a person's life. And he's going to say, but if it doesn't, he says, well, that's going to set off a whole other set of realities. In fact, I want you to notice, just look with me. If you go down to verse uh, 12, this is exactly what Paul's going to do. He's going to start doing some, he's going to start doing some of this math for us. So he starts off in verse 12, he says this, he says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised, that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? So uh, apparently there were some false teachers who were coming in and they were saying, yes, you know, Jesus was awesome and it's great to worship Jesus, but he didn't actually rise from the dead. And so Paul says, so if it's preached that Jesus rose from the dead, how can some of you say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead? And look what he says in verse 13. I think this is so great. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. Not even Christ has been raised from the dead. So Paul's starting to help us see, see kind of how, how this, 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 this whole idea of, not, of Jesus not rising from the dead is going to infect, affect and have implications on a person's life. So he's going to say this. He's going to say, look, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, like if the domino falls this way, he says, here's the first thing it's going to affect. It's going to say something about Jesus. And what's it going to tell us about Jesus? Well, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is going to sound so simplistic, but I think it's a really important thought. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that means that Jesus is dead. I know, you can't get teaching like this anywhere. You have to come to the Medina campus for that. But, but think about that for a minute. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, 
that means that there's nothing unique about Jesus, that there's nothing that sets him apart from any other historical leader, than any other moral teacher, than any other great philosopher. There's nothing, there's nothing that would compel us to worship him, is kind of what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I also think that because of what Paul says here, you know, one of the other implications is, you know, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, well, first off, that's going to say something about Jesus. But secondly, that also is going to say something about Jesus' claims. And what is that going to tell us about Jesus' claims? Well, it's going to tell us that Jesus' claims are invalid, right? That basically, you can't really trust anything that Jesus said. I want you to think about this with me for a minute. If you're a person who's ever read through the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, uh, one of the things you'll notice is that Jesus said some really amazing things. Uh, Jesus said uh, some wonderful, life-giving things about forgiveness and about love and about helping other people and about serving. Jesus said uh, some really challenging things about loving your enemy, about turning the other cheek. He said some really powerful things. But Jesus, let's just be honest, man, he also said some pretty crazy stuff. And he said some things that if any person you knew said them, uh, you probably think that they were crazy. So, for example, Jesus claimed pre-existence. Uh, in uh, John chapter 8, uh, I believe it's John chapter 8. Yeah, I think that's where it's at. Jesus is having a conversation with um, some Pharisees, some religious leaders, and they're accusing him of, of some stuff. And then Jesus says these words. He says, listen, before Abraham was even born, I am so he said, Abraham, who lived thousands of years before Jesus, he said, before that guy was even born, I am. And the religious leaders picked up stones to kill him because they considered that blasphemy. He said some crazy stuff about himself. Jesus said things like this. He said, I and the Father am one. He, he claimed equality with God. Uh, Jesus in John 14, 6 claimed exclusivity. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus claimed that he was going to raise from the dead. And I don't know if you noticed this, but if you ever read through the account of Jesus' life, on a handful of occasions, he actually blatantly told his disciples that he was going to raise from the dead. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what does that mean about his claims? Well, it means they're invalid, right? It means that he, he, if maybe he was right about some stuff and he was wrong about some stuff, but why would you trust anything he would have to say if, um, if he didn't actually rise from the dead? So it says something about his claims. It says something else, too. Look at verse 14. Paul continues, he says this, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. So Paul's going to say, hey, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if the domino falls this way, he says that means that Jesus is dead. It means that his claims are invalid and it means that preaching is useless is what he says. So think about this. The apostle Paul dedicated his entire life to going around telling people about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what he says is, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then this is useless. Preaching is useless. And I think in our context, what that means is, it means that preaching, teaching, classes, life groups, the Zoom meetings, some of you guys have been in for your small groups and life groups and Bible studies. He's going to say all that is an enormous waste of time. That this building that I'm standing on and several other church buildings in our community and our world are an absolute waste of time, money, and space. That's what he would say, because preaching is absolutely useless if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead. Not only is he going to say that, he's actually going to say this. He's going to say, and so is your faith. Your faith is useless. You see, he says that there in verse 14, but he actually goes a step forward. Look what he says in verse 17. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is not only useless, he says, your faith is futile. Your faith is futile. 
And, uh, and man, I love that, that term that he uses. He says, your faith, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, your faith is futile. And the word futile, some of you might have some different translations there. It might say your faith is void. And the word literally means your faith is empty. It's, it's hollow. It doesn't have any substance really to it. That there's nothing substantial about your faith. That, that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all Christianity is, is it's really just kind of set of positivity and a set of kind of a vague notion of love. And there's nothing substantial to it is what he's going to say. And so he's going to go on here. He's going to say, man, you know, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that says something about Jesus. That says something about his claims. That says something about preaching. That says something about your faith. Look what he says again in verse 17. He says, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So Paul says, Here, here's another thing. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then that means that there is no forgiveness of sins, that our sins remain unforgiven. Uh, it means that what Jesus claimed, which Jesus said that he would die for our sins on the cross and then he would rise from the dead, then that means that that, that claim is invalid and that we are still in our sins. That all of the regretful, shameful things that we've done, that we're still stuck in that place of sin and in remorse. That's what he's going to say in this passage. And then he's going to go on. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, and then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are also lost. And so he's going to go on. He's going to say this. He's going to say, listen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that actually says something about death itself. And what does that say about death? What it means is that those who have fallen asleep are completely lost. Now, when he says fallen asleep in that passage, by the way, uh, that's actually a euphemism that was used to refer to death. And what he says here is he says, listen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then that means that the loved ones that we've lost, that means the people in our, in our lives who have passed away, that there is no hope beyond this life and they're lost forever. And he says, as a result of that, he says that death is undefeated, that death continues to win and it, remain, it remains an undefeated enemy, is what he's going to say. And then look, he kind of wraps up by saying this. Look what he says in verse 19. He says, if only in this life we have hope for Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. And so here's what he says to those who follow Jesus. He says about the Christian life, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, if he didn't physically, bodily, historically raise from the dead, he says, then the Christian life is pitiful. It's absolutely pitiful. Not only is it an enormous waste of time, he's going to say, but it's lame and it's pathetic at its best is what it is. And so Paul's going to, again, you see this, right? He's going to do this math for us. He's going to say, look, if the domino falls this way, then this is what it means. This is what it means. It means that our preaching is useless. It means that Jesus is dead. It means that his claims are invalid. It means all the things we just talked about. But I love, love, love what he says next because check it out in verse 20. He says this. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He says, but Christ has been raised from the dead. In other words, what Paul says is this. He says, look, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it's game over, okay? It's game over. The whole Christian faith collapses. He says, but because he did, it's game on. It is game on. And I, I'll tell you, the reason that the Apostle Paul can say this is because the Apostle Paul had actually met the resurrected Jesus. It's actually a really fascinating story. I'd encourage you to check it out. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible tells us that Paul was the guy who did not, did not believe in the resurrection. In fact, he was so adamantly against the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he actually persecuted Christians. 
But the Bible tells us that one day he actually met the resurrected Christ. And as a result of that, his entire life had shifted and changed. And now his whole life was dedicated to proclaiming to people this message that Jesus Christ indeed was alive and that he had risen from the dead. And so he's going to say, because Christ rose from the dead, because the domino doesn't fall this way, but it falls this way, he says, now what does that mean? Well, let's do some of that math. So what does it mean that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Well, first off, here's what it means. It means that Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. It means that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is unique above all others who have ever walked the face of this planet. It means that he is worthy of worship because what he said about himself is true. And listen, if Jesus is alive, that means, listen, that means that he is available. And that means that he is active. And that means that you can actually have a relationship with him. That means that what we thought previously was not possible is actually made possible now. That's what it means. What does it mean about Jesus' claims? Well, here's what it means. It means that Jesus' claims are not invalid, but they're valid. Here's what it means. It means that everything that Jesus Christ ever said about anything checks out. That whatever Jesus said about himself, that whatever Jesus said about God, that whatever Jesus said about life, whatever he said about death, whatever he said about heaven, whatever he said about hell, whatever Jesus said about money, whatever Jesus said about marriage, whatever Jesus said about relationships, whatever he said about forgiveness, whatever he said about everything is worth your attention because it all checks out if Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What does it say about preaching? Well, here's what it says about preaching. Preaching is not, not it's not useless, it's essential. It's essential. And in fact, I think one might argue that if Jesus Christ truly rose from the dead, uh, that it is, it is the best use of your time to learn about and to understand and to grow in a relationship with the person of Christ. And so I think if Jesus rose from the dead, it means that preaching and teaching, it means that being connected to a church it means that being connected to life groups, it means that being part of classes, kind of like things like the equipping division that we have at our church, that those things are essential so that we can actually know this Jesus and have a deeper relationship with him. Here's what does it say about our faith? Well, I think it says this, our faith is not futile, it's not empty, it's substantial. That there's actually substance, there's actually something concrete that we can point to and that we can look at and say our faith is actually based on something real, something actually happened, right? I think the Bible's gonna tell us that our faith is not simply based off some kind of vague notion of optimism or positivity, but it's rooted in something that's concrete, something that's real. What about our sins? Well, it's gonna tell us what the resurrection tells us is that we are, our sins are no longer unforgiven, but there's now forgiveness that is extended and is offered to all of us. You know, the fact that Jesus claimed that he would die on the cross for our sins and that God rose him from the dead, that authenticates that claim, right? That is validation that the transaction went through and that now it is available to us that we can have the forgiveness of all of our past regrets and offenses. And let me just tell you, that is on offer to you today, uh, that when you come to Christ and you put your hope and faith in him, that he will forgive you. You don't have to live perpetually reminded and in a state of shame for the things that you've done in the past that are regretful and that were harmful to others or to yourself. But there's new life that is offered to you. There's forgiveness that's offered to every single person who puts their faith in Christ. And that's available because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What does I say about death? Well, here's what it says about death. This is one of my favorite parts. It says that death is not undefeated. It means that death is defeated 
is what it means. One of the things I love about 1 Corinthians 15, you got to read the whole chapter, but the Apostle Paul is going to talk about how the resurrection was Jesus' triumph over death. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, you actually see in a way that there's almost this taunting of death. Where, O oh, death, is your sting, right? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? And because Jesus rose from the dead, that means that there is hope beyond this life. And there is hope that because Christ rose from the dead, and, and the Bible's going to say he's the first fruits of the resurrection, that those who put their hope in him will follow him in that resurrection as well. That guys, tell you something kind of cool. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, you'll actually see it in verses like in, in verse 16 and in verse 51. Uh, when the Bible, when first early Christians talked about uh, people dying, especially uh, Christ followers dying, they never said uh, that that Christ, that that person died. Uh, what they would say instead is that that person fell asleep. That person fell asleep. I just want you to think about that for a minute. Why would they say that? Because what does a person who's falling asleep do? What do they do? For some of you right now, maybe there's someone in the room who's falling asleep. Uh, wake them up, by the way, because this is important, right? Uh, what, what, what does a person who fall, falls asleep do? Here's what they do. They wake up again. They wake up again. And the early Christians within the first century were so confident in the resurrection that, uh, that they themselves would be resurrected that they, when they described death, they would use it in terms of falling asleep. It's absolutely amazing. So what does it say about death? Death is defeated. And then lastly, what does it say about the Christian life? Well, here's what it says. The Christian life is not pitiful. The Christian life is purposeful. It is purposeful that the Christian life is pulsating with purpose and that if Jesus rose from the dead, then that means that this is the ultimate thing to give your life to, that there are all, all kinds of other purposes that you could surround your life around, but those are all temporary, but there is one that can make an eternal difference and, uh, and last, and that's this idea. And so, so again, the Apostle Paul is going to do this math for us, and he's going to say, look, this is of what's first importance because how you answer this question, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead, is going to have incredible implications in your life. So let me just say this. If you're a person who's investigating Jesus and you're watching this right now, okay, so, so let me just kind of help you narrow your search. Maybe you have all kinds of questions about the Bible. Maybe you have all kinds of questions about God and religion. And so let me just kind of help narrow your search. Here is the matter of first importance. Here is the top priority. Here's the first domino. And you just have to answer this question. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? Did he bodily, historically, literally, physically rise from the dead? Now, I know that there's probably some of you who are watching this right now who you have witnessed enough in your own life. You have experienced God in your own life enough to know that what I'm talking about is real and is true. And if that's the case, then listen, why not today? Why not put your hope and your faith and your trust in Christ right now? Maybe you're a person who had faith at one point, but you've strayed and you've drifted. Why not come back now? Why not come back? He's alive and you can talk to him. You can talk to him even right now and express that you want to put your hope and your trust in him. But let me just also say that there's maybe some of you who still have a lot of questions. And can I just say that if you're a person who still has questions, just respect that a lot. Um, but I also would say this, I do not at all believe that it is unreasonable for a person to believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead. I actually believe that there's incredible evidence that validates that very claim. And here'd be my encouragement to you. My encouragement would be to go find out, dig into it and, and, and research it and look into this question. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? You know, it's interesting. We live in a culture today 
that really centers a lot on likes and dislikes, right? So you go on social media, on Facebook, people like things, they dislike things. You see that all over the place, right? I think a lot of times we make decisions based on what we like and what we dislike. And a lot of times people will make decisions based on Jesus and on God, on what they like and what they dislike. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do. I wanna encourage you not to make a decision simply based on what you like and what you dislike. Some of you might be like, I like what Jesus said here, but I don't like it here. I like what the Bible teaches here, but that actually offends my lifestyle, and so I'm not necessarily going to adhere to that. But let me just say that if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, if he, if he didn't rise from the dead, then who cares? Live however you want, do whatever you want. But if he did rise from the dead, listen, I think that demands your attention, and I think you have to take seriously the things that he taught, the things that he said, and the things that he said uh, really in a lot of ways about himself. It's interesting. Um, about this whole point. You know, the Apostle Paul, like I mentioned earlier, he didn't like the resurrection, at least not at first, right? It absolutely offended the paradigm in which he thought. It absolutely offended his religious beliefs. It absolutely offended his personal lifestyle. And yet, one day, he was confronted with the resurrected Christ. And as a result of that, it completely altered the way that he lived his life. And why is that? Well, because of the implications that come with the resurrection. And so let me just say that if you pursue this question, uh, be prepared that it might, it might change your life. It might change your life. And that'd be my prayer, is that it would do that, and not in a negative way, but in the best of ways, that it might kind of shift and change those things. I'll just tell you, um, I, I want you to dig into this so much, and I, I would love to point you to some resources. There's one resource in particular that I want to commend to you, especially if you're looking for some, to dig into this a little bit further. And it's actually a lecture. I'll include a link uh, here as well. But it's a lecture by a guy named Dr. William Lane Craig. And it's actually him in front of the student body at Yale talking through the historical evidences of the resurrection. I think he does an excellent job really kind of condensing and speaking through some of those points. And I would ask you to kind of dig into that, all right? Now, let me just say, for those of us who do follow Christ, for those of us who are Christ followers, man, this, this is what we celebrate. This is the cornerstone of everything that we believe, that Jesus Christ is alive and that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And because he rose, that means that we can trust him. It means that we can worship him. It means everything he said about himself is true. It means our sins are forgiven. It means that we have purpose in this life. It means that death is defeated. Everything that we just said, it means it's all true. And because of that, that gives us a reason to celebrate, and that gives us incredible hope and incredible purpose. In fact, let me just end by reading for you the very last verse in 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to look at it with me. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, so he's talking right to those who follow Jesus. He says, Stand firm. I love that. Let nothing move you. Or in other words, be unshakable. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So I love what he says there. He says, listen, because Jesus rose from the dead, that means that your labor for God, that means that, that your desire to serve him and to live in a way that, that honors him, he says, that's not in vain. That's not in vain. And he says, because of that, because of the hope of the resurrection, that we can live a life of unshakable hope and unshakable purpose. And let me just say this. I know that we live in a time right now uh, where there's a lot that is trying to shake our faith and to shake us at the core. But the Bible is going to tell us, and more specifically, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is going to tell us 
that because of this incredible hope and this incredible truth, that we can be unshakable, that we have a hope and a purpose that is something that is so anchored in truth that it is unflappable in those things. And so I love what he's saying right here. And so because of that, I think what that tells us is that, man, for those of us who follow Christ, not only do we have a great hope, but we also have a great purpose, that we can live to tell people about this incredible message that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We have a message that we can take to the rooftops and we can tell to the entire world that Christ is risen. And every person and every car that's driving past me right now is filled with people who can be transformed by this truth and this message that Jesus Christ is alive. Well, hey everyone, Steve here again. I hope that you enjoyed this weekend's Easter online weekend experience. Uh, If you have any questions at all or any needs, any urgent needs, immediate needs or anything like that, would you please reach out to us? You can do that through downloading our app, um, engaging us on our website, And one of the best places might even be filling out our online connect card. This is just like we would do in person, but online. And so we would love for you to fill it out, to give us any comments or feedback, or let us know any prayer requests that you have or anything like that so that we can connect with you and respond to you. Well, for all the other happenings at Grace Church, the virtual happenings, would you please continue to check our website at medinaeast.gracechurches.org. As always, we say this every time, every week, we love you and we're so thankful for you. And we look forward to the time where we can get back together in person. But until then, we love you, God bless, and happy Easter.